there, and welcome back to another installment of Mixing Lights from the Mailbag. I'm Robbie Carmen. I'm Pat Inhofer. I'm Dan Moran. And in this mailbag, we're going to take a look at working with color palettes. So uh, we got a great question in from uh, our member, Glenn. And he kind of rightly said, like, kind of suggests that when he looks at grades in movies, he sees limited color palettes. And it's something we've spoken about before. You know, like, say, in an action movie, you get the background actors are all wearing grey, the superheroes are wearing bright colours, uh, and that gives you that kind of nice separation. Um, what he's thinking about is, like, how can he use uh, tools like 3D Look Creator uh, to make these kind of uh, color palettes. Um, so you, you guys have any kind of thoughts on that area? Well, what is 3D Luck? I've not used 3D Luck Creator. Not me either, to be honest. Yeah, yeah 3D Luck Creator is uh, a LUT manipulation creation tool i mean you might have i've done an insight on uh lattice from video village uh it's a it's a competing tool um that lets you manipulate create and even match 3d luts we'll get into that in one second but i think you guys will agree with my first opinion on this is that that palette uh glenn in large part is chosen by talented set designers mm-hmm. and uh and you know and clothing people and all that kind art of stuff. directors art directors and that kind of stuff i mean there, this is there's no um and a lot especially you know big budget ads and movies a lot i mean a lot of thought goes into how to complement things on set how to fill things on set the light the you know the grittiness of things i'm thinking i watched recently on a plane i watched um that you know mad max movie again yeah. right uh fury road and that i mean that that movie just screams to me art direction oh yeah um you know, so in terms of, you know, palette of colors, I think that colors are often starting with starting with uh, decisions that are made on set. Um, and we've talked a lot about that. Don't don't discount how much work goes into that. Um, now, he also mentions, you know, hey, how do you build your own palette? And he mentions actually some tools from Adobe. You guys know I'm a big fan of this, but I love the tools that Adobe is giving us now in Adobe Capture. Uh, there's actually two things related to this. There's uh, a color palette where you can actually just take a picture of, say, you know, a red Coke can, and it will give you complementary colors around that red to choose a palette, which is nice if you're doing set design and things of that nature. And then, uh, of course, there is um, kind of the true modeling of color, which used to be called Adobe Hue, but now it's just called looks in Adobe Capture. Uh, and that's where you can take a picture of you know a particular color or scene and kind of model the contrast and color as a starting point for your kind of palette. Um, but Pat, um, you know, when it comes to post-production, um, how, how would you kind of think about if a client said to you, hey, Pat, I want to stay with this general color palette of, I don't know, earth tones or, you know, uh, you know, pastel tones. How would you go about grading that way? Well, the first thing I would try to figure out is how long ago did they make the decision that that's what they wanted to do? Because I've had clients come to me and say, I, we want uh, the Matrix look. We decided that last Friday after we locked picture. <laughs> yeah. And my thinking is, really, that should have been, be, you know, before you started rolling the camera that that decision needed to be made. And my answer at that point is, well, let's see what the footage gives us. Uh, if you've got no greens in there, it's going to be really hard for me to do anything that doesn't look like anything other than a single or duotone color wash. Um, if you want them to be organic... You've got to light them that way. You've got to dress them that way. But assuming you did that, and now what we need to do is refine it and make it more contrasty, make it more apparent. Uh, yeah, there are a bunch of things you can do. I mean, one of my favorites is a plug-in Colorista 3. Um, I think one of the coolest UIs that they have is they've got this color wheel, and they've got points all across the color wheel that you can 
click and drag, and it's a hue versus hue tool. So I can take my my yellows and push them more towards orange. I can take my greens, push them more towards blue, take my magentas, push them more towards blue, and really start separating out those colors. You could do that in DaVinci Resolve. You could use the hue versus hue curve. I found that to be a not very intuitive way to achieve the same result. I think it's very confusing to do it to use it that way, although it could be used that way. Um, whereas Colorista 3 is a brilliant solution to that. And by the way, now that Magic Bullet looks is open effects ready and available in DaVinci Resolve, you can get that tool in DaVinci Resolve uh, from Colorista 3 using Magic Bullet looks. Um, so th those are some of my initial thoughts on answering this question as to what kind of tools can I do to kind of take existing colors and map them around the color wheel to more, you know, opposing, you know, kind of two color uh, contrasties uh, looks. Let me, let me just add on to two things that you just said real quick before Dan takes over because I think that they're important is that one, uh, the curve thing with hue versus hue is something that I do all the time, um, you know, for getting product, uh, you know, blue in a product or something like that just right. Um, just be aware if you do do it that way, and I, I hear what you're saying compared to Magic Bullet, is that when you, if you make like really tight little tiny adjustments with the hue versus hue curve, you tend to get really kind of um, kind of blotchy yeah. sort of posterized oh, you know, yeah, corrections. So you just need that you just kind of need to widen those yeah. corrections a little bit to make it work. Yep. Uh, and then the other thing that I would say that has been a huge benefit to me in terms of trying to get color, you know, stay within the color palette. And I know you guys both use Scope Box, uh, and this feature is also <laughs> this feature is also found on. Um, on Flanders Scientific Monitors because they license it as well. Um, you know, uh, Alexis Van Herkman came up with, I mean, gosh, probably about five years ago now, came up with kind of a, revi a revised graticule for a vector scope, right? Um, I think he calls it, what is it, Hue Vector or something like that. Um, and one of the cool things about this is that it gives you this little kind of adjustable hue arm right, that you can kind of drag around. So if you are working in a palette and you are trying to you know, say, I want the blues to be the same, I want the reds to be the same, what you can do is just kind of drag this little arm around to the exact, you know, hue and saturation level of the particular color you're trying to match. And you can kind of go through your show kind of QCing that going, okay, that red is the same there, it's the same there, it's the same there. And it kind of, you know, from a technical point of view, would kind of help you remain in that same, that same palette, you know, area. Now, Dan, you probably do a lot of this palette design with commercials and music videos and that kind of stuff. You got any tips and tricks? Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of unlucky in a way that I run a Resolve Linux, so I can't really use any, say, like, I can't use the plugins and kind of uh, as many LUT tools as I'd like to. Uh, so I kind of have to rely on the old-fashioned way of, like, grabbing a book, you know, or, or reference images. Uh, I was thinking about that, like, uh, I did a 1970s job recently. And I was lucky that the director was really knowledgeable in, he basically kept thinking, you know, those kind of like 1970s postcards from like uh, Chile or Cuba even. Actually, I think Cuba was a big reference. And before we actually did anything to a look, so normally I'd go and put a, like a really heavy contrast curve on, make it all brown. Uh, he started talking about the colors. So he's like, the reds need to be this kind of burnt uh, amber. The sky needs to be uh, like this blue, the swimming pool's teal. And a lot of that is um, is really good when you have a visual reference. Just bring it into Resolve and use Scopebox. Bring in Scopebox, like swing your arm around, find the swimming pool, you know, and then copy it in. Um, and I think that's probably the main thing is maybe next time before you dive in and put the look on first and then try and negotiate the color palette, try and do the color palette first and then see what needs to be done after. Well, that actually reminds me of two things. Uh, one, Resolve 12 now has automatic shot matching oh, too. Yeah. So you could you could bring in 
you could bring in a reference image, yeah. right? And then uh, match to that reference image or that reference movie, right? To kind of get in the ballpark. That's one. Um, speed grade, of course, has had that for a long time. I think speed grades actually works a little better, but uh, we know how speed grade is going these days. Um, and um, two, the other thing that I'm reminded of is uh, Mixing Light contributor Josh. Yes, Pintock, I was about actually, to mention that. Yes. Yeah, actually did a, a really it's cool brilliant. kind of reverse engineering a look with curves. Basically, yeah. the gist of it is you kind of move the curves in an inverse way to kind of deconstruct the look. Yeah, his, his method was use curves to grade out the look, to take something that has a look and make it normal. And then because Resolve's curves have an inverse function where you can then do the inverse of that, well, in theory, the inverse of that would take a normal-looking image and give it that look look you just graded out. It's a brilliant insight, and we should definitely link to it. It really does work. Yeah, and that's kind of along the same lines as the tool that Glenn mentions with 3D LUT Creator. If you haven't used 3D LUT Creator or Lattice or other tools like it, it basically lets you bring in, uh, you know... um, a reference image, apply a LUT, manipulate that LUT in some ways. Um, the thing I really like about 3D LUT Creator is that it actually lets you bring in a reference image and then auto-match that to a real clip, right? So it's kind of like how Resolve would auto-match. But in that auto-matching process, unlike Resolve, um, you can kind of fine-tune the actual match. Of course, in Resolve, you can continue to grade, but this is like during the match process. You can do things like match the specular highlights or match this or whatever, uh, and it works extremely well. And then you just export a new a new LUT. So when um, so Robbie, when 3D LUT Creator creates the matching LUT, it'll show you all the points on the curve, and then you're manipulating the points it's placed. Unlike Resolve, where it's just a black box, you either buy it or you don't. Correct, exactly, okay. and, and or in Resolve you could continue to grade after it, but this right. is like you're kind of refining the actual match, uh, which which is really nice. I mean, it's it's a relatively inexpensive tool. I think it's like 150 for a Mac and Windows version of it, or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but it's it's I'll link to it. But it's not uh, it's not exceptionally expensive, and of course, if you work with a lot of lookup tables for you know on set or whatever, it provides a lot of tools there. So, I mean, my opinion, color palette is more about. Um, getting something good on set, and then working it from there. I think if you're going to try to invent a color palette afterwards, uh, unfortunately, Glenn, I think you're going to have to be heavy-handed. I think you're going to have to do a lot of you know, kind of secondary work. But that's not to say that you couldn't create a color palette with something very simple. I mean, Dan, I know that you've done this all the time with just like washes, yep. right? Like yeah. a overall wash, or I always tease you about this, but you know, you love your <laughs> blue and purple, you love your blue and purple shadows. I had to stop you know, using it after and... you guys started you know, slagging me. I was like, oh, I'm a one-trick pony. I got to move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so there are ways of doing it. But again, I think that if you're going to, if you're looking for that natural color palette look yeah. that's not over heavy-handed, start on set first. Uh, and then refine and match uh, match from there. By the way, if you want to see a ridiculous um, and really well-executed version of this heavy-handed look creation, the movie Battleship, when you're in the interior of the ship where they've got all the blue lights, right? They're like in battle mode. The skin tones are so perfectly orange and the rest of the image is completely blue wash that the only way they could have done that is with a gigantic rotoscope team going in there, rotoing out every single face, and then pushing that look through. And when you watch the end credits, they had a gigantic rotoscope team. Oh, they did? Uh, oh, yeah, they did. And But it's a great example of this kind of created in post-production classic, uh, you know, two-tone look to yep. it. Well, and that, and that was also Stefan Sonnefeld as well. So I mean, it, that makes that <laughs> he's makes the daddy that of makes Taylor sense. Orange. He's yeah. The, yeah, he's the godfather of, exactly. of Taylor Orange. 
Um, so uh, hopefully, Glenn, this gives you some uh, some pointers and some ideas to think about. Um, and if there's more that we can do to kind of refine this question, just please let us know. So for MixingLight.com, I'm Robbie Carmen. I'm Patrick Inhofer. I'm Den Moran. And thanks for listening.